slaves are amongst us. You know, if we go to our nail bar or car wash, we're likely to see slaves. We There's a UK case involving slaves working on the security desk of a major law firm. So it isn't an easy problem to fix, but that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't try. ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, on the ESG report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities, and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Jonathan Armstrong, partner at Quartery Compliance. Jonathan and I have our own podcast, Life with GDPR, but today we're going to talk about some ESG issues that Jonathan and his team have had their eye on, particularly in the Nordic slash Baltic regions of the EU. So, Jonathan, first of all, welcome to the ESG report. Thanks very much, Tom. Great to be here. Jonathan, I've spoke with a colleague earlier this week about a new law in Germany around supply chain due diligence, but your article really focuses literally on the Nordic region. And I wanted to maybe start with a, a question of what what have you seen legislative-wise around supply chain due diligence from that part of the EU? Yeah, so you're right. We've done a lot of work around modern slavery and supply chain due diligence. As you know, there's a UK parliamentary inquiry, which is still rolling through. That had some hearings at the back end of last year, made some recommendations, which were received, I think, with some hostility by the UK government, but there have been definite changes in that area. And as a result of our interest in this area, we've done a survey with Magnuson, the law firm up in the Nordics, looking at what's going on in some of the Nordic and Baltic countries, and specifically Denmark, Estonia, Finland, and Lithuania. It's important, of course, to say that there's a mixed bag in that for some of those jurisdictions, they're also in the EU as well. So there are EU proposals to look at EU-wide changes to the law, but there are also some specific in-country proposals as well for domestic law. And it's fair to say that these are issues that many governments right across Europe are wrestling with at the moment. Jonathan, how do you see this playing into an overall ESG framework? You've talked quite passionately over the years about the UK Modern Slavery Act, and that was certainly groundbreaking legislation. But now we're seeing those concepts really folded on into an overall corporate portfolio. Would that be a fair assessment or do you see something else? Yeah, I think it is a fair assessment. And I think we're seeing, we're actually seeing businesses also reflect the sentiment of their customers at the same time. So I think there's almost uh, three forces at play. There's the legislative changes. There's corporations trying to do ESG well and be regarded as good corporate citizens. And then there are potentially consumers voting with their feet as well. We've particularly seen that in the fashion and apparel industries where customers do regularly vote with their feet and they react 
to concerns about ESG issues, about human rights, about forced labor by not buying those products. You know, fashion tends to rely on people feeling good about themselves. And can you feel good about yourself if you know that your new dress has been made by an 11-year-old in circumstances of forced labor? Jonathan, in addition to the sort of specific issues that you just detailed, obviously I come from the anti-corruption perspective on things where corruption or potential corruption in the supply chain can be a higher risk. But it really leads me to see with all of this legislation, UK Modern Slavery Act, supply chain due diligence, a regulatory framework around looking at your supply chain in a much more holistic manner, leading businesses to respond by acknowledging the law, obviously, but also putting policies and procedures in place, which would allow them to perform that due diligence, all of which can lead to a much more business efficient process in the supply chain. Is that something that you might see as well? Or, or once again, do you have a, perhaps a different perspective? No, I think that is absolutely, you know, extremely insightful, Tom. I think that this has to be a holistic process because do you know what? A supplier that we have that employs children is less likely to be reliable, more likely to pay a bribe, and less likely to get us the goods we need on time when we need them. So you have to look at these risks holistically. And I think organizations traditionally have got better, not good, but better at looking at things like credit checking suppliers as well as customers looking at their track record, visiting premises, etc. But oftentimes it's been a narrow focus. You know, when I order stuff, is it going to arrive when I need it? That's been accentuated by just-in-time delivery. So if the component is going into another part, we need to ensure that it arrives. Or by fast fashion, where we need goods for a particular season, not later, not earlier. But I think that those organizations that do this well and there are many, are looking holistically at their suppliers. Where are they based? Are they in risk areas? And you can do, you know, just as you might do, look at, I don't know, the Transparency International Corruption Perception Indices for an indicator of bribery. You can also look at the Humanium Index, uh, curated by a charity based out of Switzerland which will give you a similar heat map, which might indicate child labor by commanding it, and that it's the right thing to do from an ESG point of view. Jonathan, let me just pick up on uh, one of the points you raised there, because within overall supply chain due diligence, we've spoken about modern slavery, we've spoken about quality of goods, we've spoken about actually receiving your goods on a timely basis. And it strikes me that what I heard you say was almost a risk-based approach yeah. and that you might have higher risk on modern slavery in certain countries or in certain industries. You might have a climate risk from plants or uh, businesses that are located in a hurricane zone uh-huh. or are uh, prone to flooding or now that in California prone to wildfires. And with that same concept of a risk-based approach enable a company to look at really a wide range of risks without looking at every supplier for every risk? Yeah, I think that's right. I think the issues of slavery 
are truly challenging. Just to give you one example, there is a case in the UK regarding the manufacture of bed frames. And a number of large purchasers of bed frames, so, you know, high street retail stores, become concerned about bed frames being produced in a particular part of the world where labor is held in horrific conditions and children are employed to help make the beds. So they want to feel better about their supply chain. And instead of buying beds from overseas, they buy beds from the UK instead. But do you know what? The manufacturer of the beds shipped the labor in from Asia, put them up, I think I'm maybe right in saying 36 in one house sleeping on a shift system, and he just imported the problem. So the retailers felt much better about procuring locally, but all they were doing was moving the problem thousands of miles from its source. So as we said, organizations have to look at this holistically. It can't be as simple as saying country A is bad, country B is good. Slaves are amongst us. You know, if we go to our nail bar or car wash, we're likely to see slaves. We There's a UK case involving slaves working on the security desk of a major law firm. So it isn't an easy problem to fix, but that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't try. And having in place clear expectations of our suppliers, telling them what we expect of them and what we will not accept, as well as doing due diligence, as well as doing training, is very important in this area. So, Johnson, let me now turn for our final topic to reporting. And you have discussed in various forums the reporting either requirements or suggestions under the UK Modern Slavery Act. Are companies still struggling with how to report their, I guess, processes and then the results of those processes? Or do you see the market and or the regulators coming to some consensus? No, there is a lot of confusion in this area. And some of which I think is partly promulgated by government, if I can be critical. So partly in response to the parliamentary inquiry, the UK Home Office promoted a voluntary modern slavery register. And there are legislative proposals to make the public register compulsory, but currently it is voluntary. They then did an exercise in March, which they've just repeated, of mailing thousands of corporations telling them that they should register on this register. I don't think it was clear that this was a voluntary obligation, if there is such a thing. And so some corporations have reacted rather badly to that, saying, you know, you're pushing me down a voluntary road and I'm not going. Others, I think, have mistakenly believed that it was compulsory and have registered. And so we've got something of a confusing environment in the UK under the modern slavery register at the moment. And of course, we've got lots of pressure group activity, some of it better informed than others. We've got litigation in the UK and France, for example, over things like modern slavery statements, whether they say enough, whether they say too much, 
whether they overstate the work that a corporation is doing in this area. So it is a real focus at the moment. There is a real need for transparency. And there's also a need for corporations to invest more in doing the right thing and evidence that doing rather than just saying they are doing the right thing. Jonathan, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on the topics we've discussed in this podcast or to find out more about Cordery Compliance, where could they go? Yeah, happy to. If they just were to go to corderycompliance.com, if you hit news, then on the left-hand menu, just hit modern slavery and supply chain management, and you'll find around about 200 articles on issues that we've seen across our desk in that area. Well, Jonathan, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. My pleasure, Tom.